Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Even though Saul is a really bad guy doing really bad things, David acknowledges that's God's guy. And so I'm not going to be the one to put him out of commission. Uh, that's God's guy. And sometimes as believers, we may be dealing with some of God's... Y'all know God's got some kids that can do some stuff. Y'all know that? And we got to be careful because sometimes God's kids can get on your nerves. God's kids can do something that upsets you or, and it's like, man, that's still God's kids. So be careful how I handle that which is precious to the Lord. People are hard to deal with sometimes. There are certain people who we sometimes just wish would go away. It doesn't matter where they go as long as they go away from you. In today's message, Pastor Bill tells the story of how David had to deal patiently with King Saul, even when he had multiple chances to take him out. Even though David could have killed Saul and probably got away with it, he didn't do it. What would you do if you were in that situation? Would you be able to leave it to God? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 26, as he continues his message, same temptation, different day. Verse 8, Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hands this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth. I will not have to strike a second time. Abishai said, David, hey, bro, this is God is with us. We are in here. We got him. You keep saying how you don't want to stretch out your hand against the Lord's anointing. Keep your hands to yourself. I'll do it for you, David. Just let me go. He said, I only got to strike him one time. It's not going to take two. One strike, be a done deal. One hit a quitter on this guy. I want you to understand the temptation this is for David, right? The temptation is, I'm sick of running from this guy. David has to be sick of running from this guy. He keeps saying he's sorry, but he's not really sorry. His repentance is fake repentance. Here we are again. There he is. He's before me. And now I don't want to stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointing, but all David has to do is to do nothing. This is a bigger temptation than to do it himself. Now, all David has to do is just allow someone else. I'm going to just not stop him from doing it. I didn't do it. I didn't stretch forth my hand, so to speak. And I just want you to know this. He's getting hit with the same temptation, but a different angle. You guys understand? It's the same temptation as before. Before, the other guy's like, we'll do it, you know. But, and David had to restrain his men. Well, here, he's got his nephew. says, it's just us two. I mean, nobody even have to know. I mean, it's just David. We, he, we, we're here, man. Please let this let it. This be, it can be over with today. And I want you to note that this man is speaking. He said, man, the Lord, again, God delivered him. God did this. There's a few things I thought of as I read this. Um, one, there can be times when there are people in your corner and they really mean well. They really care about you and their their intentions for you are good. But their counsel to you is not ungodly counsel can come from a lot of different ways. Sometimes ungodly counsel comes from straight up ungodly people. But there are times where ungodly counsel can come from people that mean well. They're not getting the counsel that they give you from the Lord. The counsel's not coming from God. Uh, I've had church folk give me ungodly counsel. You know, that counsel just didn't come from God. It's just what they think. 
uh, is their best thought at the moment. And so Psalm one, the psalmist said, blessed or oh, how happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Psalm one, one blessed is a man. And so we need to be mindful that sometimes people that mean well and have our best interests can tell us they're telling us what we want to hear or how we like it to go. Not necessarily telling us what God's word says in the moment. The best place for godly counsel to come from, godly counsel should have chapter and verse with it. Godly counsel, they should be able to say, look, brother, this is what you, look, because remember this, and here, here's that verse. Remember this story, and here's that scenario right there. You want counsel that's born out of an awareness of the word of God, not just somebody's best thoughts or best idea about a situation. Um, there have been times where God has called on me to do things that require faith. And I had well-meaning people in my life that were they were they were suggesting that, you know, I do everything but exercise faith. And it was like, well, you know, I understand, man. But, you know, uh, what I would do and, and it's like, I hear you. But where are you getting that from? And I've learned over the years to be careful uh, who I even receive counsel from. I receive counsel from people with faith in God, faith in the Bible. Um, there are people in my life that I know they, they know how to believe God. I know they I know they they think things through scripturally. Those are the people I want to take counsel from. Um, and so in this moment, I don't think Abishai is ill intended. I don't think I mean, David is the one that invited him on the mission. And so, you know, that's a question that remains. It's not really answered. You, you know, there's, there's people have made up many things. We never really get an answer as to why did you go on this mission, David? Why did you why did you grab somebody and what, what made you run off to this cave one more again to see what would happen? We don't know what David went intending to do because it never says he never explicitly says, I want to have a conversation with Saul or I want to do X, Y and Z. He just wanted to go down there. And so it says now in verse uh, nine, but David said to Abishai, do not destroy him for who? can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. And I want to say this again about David. I think it's so important. David's concern is for what matters to God. If David was living for himself, David would say, it's made me very uncomfortable to have this man alive. I'd rather him not be here anymore. But that's David's not concern is not for what makes him comfortable first. His concern is for what would please God. And he's saying, God anointed this for some reason that I don't understand God anointed this man. And so I'm not going to stretch forth my hand to kill a man that God's anointing is upon. I got to leave him in God's hands. And again, I could see this being a very real temptation. David was a warrior. David killed plenty of folks. Um, David was getting ready to kill, you know, uh, somebody last week for, for much less for just, just some disrespect and not from giving them a meal when it was time to give up a meal. And but I want you to notice all of the restraint that's applied here. And the reason the restraint is applied is because David says this would be going against God. It would be going against God to stretch out my hand and kill a man that God anointed. It would. This is going against God. God, you anointed him. You, you if he's supposed to be dead, he's going to die some other kind of way other than me putting forth my hand. I think it's so important if we can learn from this lesson that we would live our lives and that our concern would be most of all for what concerns the Lord, that that would be our, our, our biggest concern would not be what's comfortable for us, what makes us feel good. But this would please the Lord the most. This would grieve the heart of the Lord and that that would help us in the decisions that we make and how we handle things. Also, how we deal with people. 
Even though Saul is a really bad guy doing really bad things, David acknowledges that's God's guy. And so I'm not going to I'm not going to be the one to put him out of commission. Uh, that's God's guy. And sometimes as believers, we may be dealing with some of God's y'all know God's got some kids that can do some stuff. Y'all know that. And we got to be careful because sometimes God's kids can get on your nerves. God's kids can do something that upsets you. Or, and it's like, man, that's still God's kids. So be careful how I handle that which is precious to the Lord, um, all of us. Um, and so David, he gave good counsel to Abishai. He says, look, do not destroy him. Who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? If you touch this man, you're going to be guilty before God. So that's why that's the count. That's why you not you should not do this. Verse 10, David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him or he shall come to die or he shall go out to battle and perish. And David has no idea how prophetic this is. But David said, look, I'm not going to do it. What did David learn in the last message, in the last lesson with Nabal? That the Lord, took Lord took care of him. And so David has taken from that lesson and said, you know what? He, he, the Lord eventually going to deal with it. He's either going to die. Either the Lord's going to you know, strike him or his day to die. He's going to die of natural causes or he's going to go out to battle and die. He'll die some other kind of way is what David is saying. But it's not going to be at my hands. And. This is the epitome of leave it in God's hands. Um, if somebody says, what does it mean to leave it in God's hands? Take them to this story. This is a scripture picture of what it means to leave it in God's hands. I could take it into my hands and kill him myself or let my nephew take care of my, of my light work. Or I can say, God, I'm leaving it with you. You know, I would like him to be dead, but, but it's for you to do. Either you kill him, let him live his life out till he dies, or he might die at war, but I'm leaving it in God. It's God's business what happens with his life, but I'm not going to take it. And so maybe there's for us situations where we could take it into our own hands, but we're not supposed to. We need to leave it with the Lord. God, I'm going to leave it with you. When you leave things with the Lord, it takes longer than you want, but you can remain guiltless. And it may take longer than you want to wait for God's timing, but you'll be right with the Lord, which is more important. Amen. Verse 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please now, um, but please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So this last time David cut his garment. This time David says Saul's spear was in the ground right by his head and his jug of water. So he said, I'm going to take his weapon and his water and then get on out of here. Now, some may say, well, you know, why did he do that? Um, we'll see in a little bit why he did that. Interestingly, last time he cut the hem of his garment and it bothered him. He, he takes the sword in the water or the spear. In the, this doesn't bother him. He didn't touch him. He didn't touch the Lord's anointing, but he, he took some stuff. He took a couple souvenirs to let him know uh, to make his point once more. So but he didn't touch him. Uh, and so it says, um, verse 12. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head and they got away and no man saw or knew it or awoke for they were all asleep. Now I want you to note this because it's very important because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Cause I want you to just think about this. Cause we read this like it was normal, but it's not normal. David and his nephew are in the cave with all these men. They're, they're in the, and they're having a full on conversation. Abishai is like, man, we got him. Let's kill him. And David's like, no, not right now. It's not the Lord's will. They had all this conversation in the, it's 3,000 men in this room or in this area that they're in. And they had all this conversation and nobody woke up. Nobody woke up. Well, now we know why. 
It says a deep sleep from the Lord have fallen on them. And so, again, this is why it's so important that we have the, the Lord be with us. Saul had way more men, way better training and a way better situation. David had one thing going for him that the Lord was with him. David went down there with one fella, just a nephew. He's not really a train. He will be a pretty bad dude eventually. But, you know, he definitely was stout in the sense that he was willing to go. I give him all the credit in the world for that uh, on this crazy mission. You know, that's all David went with was two him and one other guy. But the Lord was with David and, and it wasn't David's time to die. And so God put a deep sleep over all those men and they stayed asleep the entire time. And David got the spear and the jug of water and they got out of there and they were safe. And again, somebody might ask, well, what was the what was the point of the mission? We don't really know. It was it was never really explained. Uh, David never says what his what, what the goal of the mission was. But that's what they did. They went in and they took a couple of items and uh, David will use it for show and tell in just a little bit. So look at verse 13 now. Now, David went over to the other side and stood on top of the hill afar off a great distance being between them. I want you to note this. Though David had had all this success, he wasn't stupid. David waited till he got across the way, afar off, before he starts shouting and yelling and saying, hey, look what I got, you know? Uh, so he's not taking it for granted that, you know, he got out of there unscathed. And so he was a great distance between him and them. Verse 14, and David called out to the people and, and to Abner, the son of Nurse, saying, do you not answer Abner? Then Abner answered and said, who are you calling out? Who are you calling out to the king? So first of all, David doesn't call Saul. Who does he call out to? Abner. Now, I believe it's personal thought as you read the whole story in this context, because uh, David is getting ready to put Abner on blast. Abner was the, the right hand guy. He was the commander. All right. He was responsible for keeping the king safe and and he got caught slipping and sleeping. So when David shows up with the jug and the spear and he's like, hey, Abner, what's, what's up, homie? You know, like you sleeping on your job, bro. Like, like I, you know, he's calling him out on his job. And we should know that that, that, that that when you're the king's guy, that's supposed to be punishable by death. You should die for that. And so I believe that earlier when David said, well, we'll see in a moment. David's going to eventually talk to Saul. Did God, now David knows God didn't do this. He's going to do either God, if God stirred you up against me, then let's go off for a sacrifice and get it right. But if somebody has stirred you up against me, if somebody is in your ear, somebody, somebody's in your ear while you keep coming after me, the, the curse be upon them. I believe just from the way this lays out that David thinks it's Abner. And that, because, uh, you know, it, it makes sense to me because he just put Abner in a in a pretty bad situation without touching him. David just put his life in jeopardy by going and coming back. So maybe that was the mission. I don't know. Um, but let's continue on. It says um, it says in verse um, 15. So David said to Abner, are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord, the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord, the king, one of the people. It was David. Uh, this this thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. And so David has called out Abner. Let him know you messed up. You have slept on the job. You ought to die 
What's wrong with you? Why are you why are you not protecting our king? Um, you know, <laughs> he's the Lord's anointed. You're not keeping him safe. Verse 17. Then Saul knew David's voice and said, is that your voice? My son, David, David said, it is my voice. My Lord, the king, O king. Some believe uh, if you read books about this uh, life of David and Saul, some believe Saul had some kind of mental issue, some kind of psychological problem. I don't ascribe to that. I believe it's spiritual. I believe Saul had a spiritual issue. Um, it was his disobedience to the Lord in the first place that brought him into the into where he is. It's been a lot of it's been a lengthy period of silence from the Lord. God took the Holy Spirit away from Saul because he was rebellious and disobedient and wouldn't do what God wanted. And Saul will just continue to go against what God wants. He's trying to kill uh, David, who's God's anointed person to be the next king of Israel. Um, he's made it very difficult for David for some time. And um, while Saul's life is coming to an end in the next two chapters, um, his life will come to a really devastating, sad end. We'll hear some words in this chapter from Saul that let us know how sad his life is. It's closing down. It's not getting better. His life. You'd like to think with this is what I want us to all consider. Everybody's life, wherever it may be today, it's going to come to an end one day. And what you would like to see happen in our lives as believers is that we walk with the Lord, we serve the Lord, we're fruitful in the Lord. And as we come to the end of our life, whenever that may be, hopefully as we all are coming to the final stretch and we don't know when that is or how it's going to come to pass, but hopefully as we coming into the end, we're looking and saying, I've done what God gave me to do with this life. This, my life has been useful to the Lord. It's been a fruitful life. God's had his way with my life. That's what we want to do. That's the goal. We want to get to the end. And like, I love Paul says at the end of his life, man, I have finished the race. I've done what God gave me to do. I'm ready to meet the Lord. And so if you get to be old enough to where, you know, death is at the door. How cool would it be to be on a deathbed as an old man or an old woman saying, I did it. Everything God gave me to do. I did it. I'm ready. I'm ready to go be with the Lord. How cool. I mean, I think that's an amazing way to go out with a heart full. My body is broken down. It's over with down here. But now I'm ready to go meet the Lord. I, I got some rewards waiting on me up there. That's how you want to go out. What you don't want to be is in a hospital somewhere, your body breaking down, life getting life coming to a close, thinking, man, I wish I had to live for the Lord. I wish I had to quit playing games. I wish I had to kept it real with the Lord. I wish I had to been more available, more obedient, more faithful. You don't want that. And everybody here, wherever you are in the race of life at this point, we can aim at what we want. Right. I just I want to live in such a way that when the end comes. It just feels like I've accomplished what was supposed to be. Saul's got a Saul's going to look back and it's not going to be that's not going to be his track record. Samuel, when he died, his from from beginning to the end, Samuel could look back and all you can say is, well, that brother was used. My life was useful to God. It was available, fruitful and useful all the way through. That was Samuel's life. These things, the Bible says, are written for our admonition. Right. We got life like they had life. Our life will end like their lives end. And when it does, I want to be like a Samuel, like a Paul, like some of these guys that you see at the end. They, they go out with a bang, you know, just just getting it down for the Lord. Um, one of my favorite stories, um, Chuck Smith was one of the guys I really revere and admire and look up to. Um, I love when I could watch an older man 
and I can say, wow, that guy has spent his whole life, you know, Chuck Smith. And right now, brother Tony Evans is, you know, he's, as he's getting older, you watch the guy faithful all these years of ministry, faithful to raise his kids in the Lord, faithful to his wife who's gone on to be with the Lord. And he's still at the easy, you know, he's, he's in the latter season of his ministry, but he's still faithfully plugging away. I have my, I, I look up to people like that. And I think, you know, for like Chuck Smith, Billy Graham, these guys pass away and they leave a legacy of faithfulness or faithful. Chuck in his final little season of life, I got to see, I was at my old church and he was, they were doing some tour, you know, trying to bring back some of the old stuff they used to do. And he was going to come speak. He's an old guy at this point, you know, in his life. And um, he fell down and broke his nose that day. And so, you know, easily it would have been a call out. I'm not going to make it. But he was there. He made it anyway. And he was there with a, you know, his nose was all red. He didn't want to wear a bandage, you know, and he was there and he's smiling and being kind and gracious. And he said, no, nah, I'm going to speak. I'll be all right. I'll get it fixed tomorrow. And I thought, man, God, if I ever come up with an excuse, this old, this dude is, this old dude is like, bro, look, I'm going to go here. I said I was going to preach on Wednesday night at that church over there in Downey. And he came and preached. And I watched him at the end of his life with a, with a breathing tube in his nose, going up to the pulpit and preaching. And it would inspire me. Like he has so many reasons that he'd just be laid up somewhere. I'm done. But he's like, nah, there's still people. I got enough breath to preach. And so he still, he went out. I mean, I look at that like a guy in a fight that's like, I'm gonna go down swinging. I'm not gonna lay down and lose. The last things he did were still preaching the word. And I think, man, that's to me, when I look at that, when I think of what a man is, I'm like, that's a, that's a man, no excuses. And all the weakness and all the, all the reasons he could have gave. Man, got the, the guy's calling out because they got the sniffles. Man, come on. Uh, this brother, brother had a, a, breathing, a breathing apparatus and still was throwing down some, some word, you know. So I just want us to consider, right, these lies, they are coming to a close. They will come to a close. And we want to get there and look back and think, I gave it, I gave it everything. Because one day all you'll be able to do is look back. This is going to be over with. We will never get another day back, another month, year, season. So the season we have right now, it's like, God, am I being as fruitful as I can be right now? Am I going, am I all in with you? Am I, am I, do you have everything that you want out of me right now? Um, because this season will end. And if, you, if God is having his way, you can look back at this season in a year and be like, that, was a, that year was, man, that was a bomb year. God, this, God did this, that, and the other, and you'll be in another year doing it again and keep going. And uh, that's what we want to do. Amen. We want to press forward. We want to keep going strong in the Lord. And so unfortunately for Saul, this was a Saul was a man that let the flesh get the best of him, who wouldn't submit to God, who when he should repent, made excuses. And so things never got back on track for King Saul. They never did. Not because God wouldn't have forgave him. The fact that God has let him live this long is that was his opportunity to get it right. The fact that you're living and breathing tonight is your opportunity if you need to get right to get right. God had given him all the opportunity he needed. He just wouldn't take the opportunity to get right. He, he continued to go his own way. And he spent his energy, effort, and resources to go against what God was doing rather than to go for what the Lord was doing. And so moving on, Saul cries out and says, is that your voice, my son David? And David said, it is my voice. Uh, my Lord, O King, verse 18. And he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? David still cared about the relationship. He's like, what have I done? Why, why are you still coming after me, man? Like, what have I done to you? 
What evil is in my hand? Verse 19. Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. And so David's throwing Saul some options. Look, if if the reason you're coming out after me is because I messed up and I sinned against God somehow and God is let, let me offer a sacrifice. I know how to get right with God if I'm not right. there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word, and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.